Virtuous Man, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history. Welcome to Loose and Unscripted, an inside look at season one of the Virtuous Men podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm Scott. And we are the creators of Virtuous Men. We're going to go through each virtue and the man who exemplified it from season one. And we're going to do this as loose and unscripted as possible, hence the title of the episode. So we'll try to keep in theme with that. So we've been doing this for almost a year now. Yep. Since uh, our... February of 2020. Wow. Can you believe that? Started off with Shackleton, Sir Shackleton. That's right. Yeah. And it, it started with a dream, like all other dreams. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Wow. Right. I know. I was looking back over the... or So you know how we uh, we have that Google Doc where we put all of the posts that we've written and we kind of just have, have them stacked up like that? Mm-hmm. That's practically a novel in and of itself right there. Because it's like... Oh, yeah. Like, it, I, every time I open it up, it's like page one of 55 or something. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. Like, we actually have done quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, Quite a bit should, of writing there. We should probably start a, another one for season two. Or for year two, I should say. That's true. Well, yeah. Or we need to just quit our jobs and do this full time and get, you you, get used to living under bridges and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to go through season one of the podcast, episode by episode. Uh, we'll talk about why we wrote it, what our inspiration was, and any interviews we did. We had interviews for three of the five episodes. And yeah, just as Scott said, this is going to be as loose as unscripted and unscripted as possible. So, so episode one was Da Vinci. That's right. And you picked that one, Scott, and we I wrote did. it. And we got the interview with Martin Kemp. Mm-hmm. It was very fun. That was at the in the early days of COVID mm-hmm. in April of. Well, not last year, since it's 2021 when this is recorded. Yeah, I don't think COVID had spread super far yet, but it was still yeah, it was, uh, becoming a hot topic. It was politically. like an uh-oh moment yeah. of the year, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it was funny, though, like whenever you... Um, so, when we were reaching out, or I guess you... I guess I give you the credit for this one, of just like randomly reaching out to people for interviews, like... That would absolutely not have occurred to me to do that. So I give you full credit there of just saying like, hey, like, let's just let's just email someone and see, you know, like I wouldn't have never thought to do it that way. And then when it turns out that you got Martin Kemp. Yeah, you'd heard of him, right? I was. Oh, yeah. Like every every art historian or art lover knows who he is, because, I mean, he's written more books about Da Vinci than you could even count. And he's one of the world's foremost Da Vinci experts. So. You're like, oh, I just got, I got this Martin Kemp guy. Like, how about we do him? And I'm just like, you, 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 you what? You, you got Martin, the Martin Kemp? Yeah. Full <laughs> disclosure, I uh, went on Google and researched experts on Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> and he was the first one that, that popped up. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can get an email address for this guy to contact him. I did. And he got back to me like two days later with, yeah. Sure. It was. I, it was probably like I'm not doing anything since I can't leave my home at the moment. So why not? Well, he also had mentioned too that he he wasn't teaching full time anymore because I mean he was from uh, I forget which university he was he was once a professor at Oxford but he, I believe I think it was Oxford yeah he had uh, said that he had was was retired so he had a lot more time to do something like this and 
it was a great it was a great interview despite the fact that we I remember we didn't neither of us had a Zoom account so it ended at forty <laughs> minutes and just just totally shut off before and, like right in the middle of him talking and it well Sorry, th- thankfully we well we finished the interview like right on the dot practically so I mean yeah. that was a relief there but. It was also interesting, too, because we it was 1 o'clock in the morning for us and, like, 9 in the morning for oh, him. So right. we had to, and we both had to work the next day. So it was like, I basically was spending the whole night trying to stay awake. <laughs> I'm just like, what can I do to come off like I'm actually alive during the interview? <laughs> but it worked. I, I found a way. I persevered. Yeah, that, that was cool. That was our first interview and our first episode that we wrote. And it kind of got us into a good groove, I think, because it was a really... Like it was a really important moment, I thought, in the project because we realized that hey, we we can just email random people that we don't know and, and yeah. they're willing to to help us out with this and yes. share their knowledge. And it was a watershed moment for yeah, sure, it was encouraging. And pretty much ever since then, that's been our approach to doing the podcast episodes. Is you know how who can we interview? Like let's try to let's before we even start writing, let's just seek some people out for interviews because people are willing to talk. So all you podcasters out there looking for interviews, just reach out. You never know if they're going to say yes or no. But what do you got to? What have you got to lose? Right. So, in writing uh, episode one, what what inspired you to pick Da Vinci for one, and why the virtue of curiosity? Well, I think that was that was an obvious choice, you know, because Da Vinci. I mean, you they're practically synonymous with one another. Like the more you read about Da Vinci, the more you realize his mind was so unstoppable. Like the man could probably barely sleep. He probably had an insane amount of time trying to keep up with his own intellect because he just, he couldn't stop learning and he was endlessly curious about everything. Like you name it, he was probably interested in it. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was obvious. Like, yeah, it was obvious. He And, and because curiosity is, we don't think of curiosity as being a virtue, despite the fact that it is, but so it was, it was like a shoe in you know? That was another thing with, that we wanted to do with this project. We didn't want everything to be obvious, you know? So something that you wouldn't normally see as a virtue, well, we want to highlight that because it is a virtue. And there are men in history that have exemplified it. And who better for curiosity than Leonardo da Vinci? So to me, it was just obvious. Right. And this was something you were passionate about because you are an art lover. And yes. an artist yourself. I am something of a da Vinci fan, yes. <laughs> Except it always... It always kills me, though, because my family and I, we went to Paris over 10 years ago, and I wasn't into art history then, and we ended up going to the Louvre, which is still hilarious to me because I'm the only person in the in my family interested in art. So every time I see a painting that is in the Louvre that I didn't see when I was there, I'm just kicking myself in the foot. It's like, why couldn't I have been curious about this then when I was actually there? Now I have to wait forever to go back there. Why couldn't you be more Da Vinci-like? Right. Wouldn't I, why couldn't I be more endlessly curious? <laughs> for the for episode two, you chose um, Stephen Mansfield to do for an interview on Winston Churchill. Yes. And so, what led you to doing to doing Winston Churchill and and Stephen Mansfield? Churchill's been kind of a hero of mine my entire life. Uh, I grew up. I was born in England. Uh, for one, I grew up in, in Northern Ireland and he's just been, I actually, funny story, I grew up on Churchill Road. <laughs> so from childhood, I, there was always Churchill in my mind 
uh, before I even knew who the guy was. And when I, you know, got older and learned some history and, and what a incredible man he was, led Britain through arguably the, the worst and, and hardest time in our history, kept the people together, kept them fighting a common enemy instead of the, the bitter inner fighting that could have went on in that period. And uh, just his, his level of judgment before anyone really came to grips with what a threat Hitler was. Uh, the fact that he, he had a lot of people up against him. He had a lot of opposition, but he didn't let it get in his way. And he knew that his judgment was right. And yeah, because of Winston Churchill, as, as we say in the episode, as, as Stephen Mansfield attested to as well uh, when we interviewed him, the, the history of the world coming out of World War II, through World War II and coming out of it, looks completely different without Winston Churchill there. So uh, that's why I picked him. He's always been an inspiration to me. And, and picking Stephen Mansfield was kind of an easy choice. It was my first choice. And, and as, uh, as luck would have it, he was available. And, and this was, when we interviewed him, it was also kind of during COVID. It was in May, I believe, that we interviewed him of 2020. And uh, just reached out to him. His assistant got back to me, and and we took it from there. And really did a fun interview with him. He's a really fiery guy, good character, really good humor. Uh, he was fun to interview, and has a lot of knowledge on Churchill. Obviously, he's written books on him, and he wrote about him in his in his famous book, uh, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, which obviously was quite a an influence on us to even start this project. We we both have read that book and love it and wanted to do something of our own, but in that inspired uh, look towards men of history and, and how they can inspire us today. I And yeah, I, I mean, that was probably the beginning of the Virtuous Men project was just getting immersed in Mansfield's book and just seeing how he did it. And I mean, I was greatly inspired by it. And I think just getting to the whole point of the fact that these were men like us, you know, they weren't just these mythical figures that had no struggles. Right. And, and that was also very cool. Like with you doing Churchill, like, I mean, you're between the two of us, you're the world war two buff of the bunch and I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable. So it was a real education for me reading stuff about him that you would research. So it was quite a, and, and, he, and Mansfield's interview, like, I mean, I learned quite a bit about him that I never, never knew. What something I really tried to do in that episode when I was writing it was not talk too much about World War Two because I feel like everyone kind of knows in a nutshell what Churchill did during World War Two. It was kind of I tried to focus on what led him to that, how he his previous in his life before World War Two before he became prime minister what led him up to that and and as the episode kind of alludes to he always had this sense of destiny and he was meant for great things and everything he did in his life including you know his miraculous escape from the boers during that war uh from the prison camp uh <laughs> i'm just laughing because uh i think i know all... why you're laughing <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly why you're laughing yeah we it, it's it's in the episode actually uh one of our favorite quotes from the mansfield audio from that one is i'm not gonna die in this prison camp and uh oh man we we have we have laughed about that one for so long we gotta put we try to sneak it we gotta put a a snippet of that in there can we get that in there 
he really felt, hey, I've got a destiny to fulfill. I can't sit here in this prison camp. I mean, I know it sounds silly maybe to our ears. I can't sit here in this prison camp. I can't sit here in this prison camp. Oh. <laughs> we at Virtuous Men are not serious men. <laughs> not all the time. Not, no, definitely not. Gosh. It was hysterical in the interview with Mansfield for Churchill. Whenever he, there was some weird explosion that happened on his <laughs> end. <laughs> like he was oh, in the middle of man. talking about Churchill was in a prison camp and he still just had this great sense of destiny. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> and before we, before we uh, started the interview, or when we were starting the interview, he's like, hey, you know, just to let you know, we're, we're here in Nashville and there's a lot of construction going on around us. And I'm like, okay, why would he say that? And then like 10 minutes later, it's like... Churchill didn't allow uh, faith or uh, disappointment or his hopes or... I'm so sorry for that noise. That's, a, that's an explosion next door for some construction. So uh, anyway, I hope, I hope you could hear it. You, you don't think I've just lost my mind, but it was a big explosion just a moment ago. I was like, wow, like hearing it, I was just like, wow, the very heavens agree with Mansfield's <laughs> testimony. And it, it sounded like, it didn't even sound real. It sounded like something from the Looney Tunes. Right. I was half expecting to hear a, yeah, what's up, Mansfield? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so episode three. Revenge of the Sith. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> was it Odysseus? Yes. For the virtue of ingenuity. So why Odysseus? Why did you choose Odysseus? Well, so my history with, with the Odyssey, uh, and like many of us, we had to read it begrudgingly in high school. And, you know, when, when you're assigned to literature in high school, you don't like it, even if you do like it, because it's assigned <laughs> homework, and that instantly makes it less interesting. Correct. So, but, I mean, the Odyssey is one of the most influential works of literature ever written. It transcends its genre, and the fact that it's an epic poem, like, I mean, it is influenced innumerable works and um but a lot and a lot of them whenever you talk about stuff related to the odyssey they they don't tend to talk about the character of odysseus that much at least from what i've read i mean there's probably lots of scholarly works that go into that but stuff that i've encountered didn't really focus on on his character and then many many years later after high school i came across this really fantastic uh series by the history channel called clash of the gods and they have a two-part series on Odysseus and his journey. And that it was kind of like a reintroduction to the Odyssey after having not been exposed to it for some time. And I was, and they constantly stressed Odysseus as a character. Like, he is ingenious. He uses his brain. He doesn't, um, he doesn't, he, he thinks before he acts. He doesn't just charge in there like the men that he, that are under his command, you know? And, um. And it kind of, and that's a through line through the whole story. Like he never seems to waver in the fact that his brain is always working. He's always thinking of solutions. And um, I think it's another one of those virtues that isn't really highlighted. Like when you think ingenuity, you don't think of that as being a virtue that a man would exemplify throughout his life. Because I think just when we think of virtue in general, there's so much that we don't think about. And ingenuity is certainly one of them. You know, like it's certainly not something I would have thought of as being a virtue but then the more i look at it it's like wow like this is a virtue this is something that a man can carry through with his life and apply it to every aspect of his life the story itself i mean it's i mean for those that can stomach the writing if you don't like epic poetry but i do so it's a lot a little easier for me to but you do see that ingenuity streak in him and it carries through through the whole the whole tale 
Right, and you, you kind of point out the ingenuity is like an example. It's not just going with your first instinct and doing that, right? It's it's actually thinking about the problem and coming up with a ingenious solution to solve the problem that's out of the box and it's not expected and it can't be mm-hmm. kind of defended as easily as your gut reaction would be. Exactly, right. Well, and the Trojan horse is a perfect example of that. Like, I mean, it doesn't get more unorthodox than that, and yet it wins the war. Or then the episode with the Cyclops, perfect example of that. Like, I remember I remember in the story, like, whenever they're trapped, and if you, for those of you that remember the Odyssey where they're trapped inside the Cyclops cave, he rolls a boulder in the entrance so they can't get out. And, I mean, they're, I mean, he's a very power, powerful creature, but, you know, it's, there's a whole group of them against this one creature, so they think, yeah, we can kill him. Let's do it. Let's kill him whenever he's asleep. And Odysseus says, no, if we kill him, then we won't be able to push the boulder away. Hmm. So it's it's things like that about Odysseus that that highlight the ingenuity streak. It's like, it's the whole thinking before you act nature, because whenever you think, oh yeah, let's kill him, like, yeah, we can overpower him easily, but then it's like, no, we're, we're trapped forever and we can't get out if we do that. <laughs> so Odysseus is always thinking of things in that sense, like, don't charge into battle. Just always, always be thinking about the problem. Okay, I have two questions for you on this, this episode. Shoot. Number one, how much fun did you have with the sound effects? Oh, it was a blast. <laughs> it was, it was like exploring, exploring unknown territory. And there were so many sound effects in that episode where you, it, it wasn't technically the sound I was looking for, but it worked. I mean, and that's the nature of sound effects in general. Like anybody that knows about filmmaking and and what fully artists do, like they often use very unorthodox means to figure out a sound effect, and that's what, and that's always fun. I sound effects are always fun. Yeah, you had a few gory sound effects in there. I actually like to let let my three year old listen to our episodes, but I was like, ah, eh, maybe not this one. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and last and second question: Who is Stephanie Ivy? Stephanie Einig, the reader of portions of the Odyssey in the episode, happens to be my mother. And she did a very fine job, I must say. I bl- well, and I, I knew full well that she would do what she would do well because my mom has always had a fantastic narrator voice and um and just from and reading reading stories to me and my sisters as we grew up, like my mom is just perfect at that. Like, I mean, she she could be an an audiobook reader if she really wanted to, in my opinion. So no, slow clap for, for Stephanie's yes. brilliant reading. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. We'll hire you again. All right. Theme music. It is time for Season 1 Virtuous Man Quiz. Are you ready? I'm ready, sir. All right. This is a little quiz where we describe a virtuous man in some way, and the other person has to guess which virtue and which man it is. We're basically trying to see how well we know the project as the creators. So, without further ado. Here we go. Okay, so can you answer for me who we did for the virtue of resistance? That was... Tankman. Yes! Brilliant. Brilliant work. I had a feeling you would get that one. Yeah, considering I wrote it, it would be kind of embarrassing if I didn't yeah, get that one. If, yeah, that would be humili- a humiliation beyond endurance. Okay, this guy was Romanian. He was an author. And he wrote...
wrote a very famous book about his experiences during World War II. It's the Romanian part that's throwing me. Uh, oh, um, Ellie Wiesel. Yes. What was his version? Survival. Correct. Well done. And for extra credit, the book that he wrote that was really famous was called Night. Wow. Now you're just showing off. Yes, that I read in high school. So, there we go. I, I feel proud of it. I know, there's a real theme of high school in this. <laughs> maybe we've never grown out of high school. Yeah, maybe not. Honest. Maybe we're just as immature as we were then. <laughs> yeah. Alright, you're up. Okay, this is probably going to be way too easy, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, I don't mind. Okay. He was the first person we ever interviewed. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> We, we didn't interview Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, no, he... Yeah. Or we didn't interview Shaq. No, it's because they have the unfortunate prospect of being dead. Yeah, so. that's true. Okay, it is Jordan Northrup. Uh, that's Major Jordan Northrup to you, sir. Sorry, Jordan. That's better. Or jo <laughs> Yeah, or just no, Jordan. No, no disrespect, man. And which virtue did he personify? Uh, the virtue of initiative. Yes, I'm wondering if you're peeking there. Yeah. I'm I am not. I'm looking okay, at the next sure. one I'm gonna do, okay? Okay, this man has a very unique nickname. He is a television star and he was in the military. Does his name happen to rhyme with uh Gare Grills? <laughs> Maybe. Or bear grills, as some call him. For the virtue of? Optimism. Correct. Okay, we got one more. Okay, so this this figure right here is a major figure in American history. He didn't live past the age of 50. And he's and a lot of mythology has built up around this this person over the years to the point where the myth and the man kind of get mixed up to the point where you can't even tell what's true and what's not. I'm gonna go with Davy Crockett. Gosh, this is way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> Which virtue did he see, personify? See, that's 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 what I'm worrying about right now. I, I... Which virtue now? Come on now. There's a possibility there. I'll go with boldness. No, unfortunately. <laughs> Would you like to know? Courage. <laughs> it's like you were off by one letter, but wow. Okay, you are. I guess I win this round. Yay! So what do I win? <sighs> this just shows yeah. you, listeners, how much free, how much which one of us has more free time. <laughs> <laughs> So, episode four, that would be Sir Ernest Shackleton, as written by Jamie. Yes. And not Scott, which is envious because we are both huge Shackleton fans. So yeah, what I, what drew you to Shackleton? Uh, well, he's, he's a guy that when I first heard about his epic expedition and what happened to the Endurance and the fact that all of his men survived. I mean, that's the most just unbelievable part of the whole thing. I think uh, along with Churchill, he's up there with one of my greatest heroes of history. And 
I think I got pretty lucky this season because <laughs> I got to write about two of my heroes. But just Shackleton's leadership, I think that's something that obviously his entire expedition and his entire life really exemplary exemplary of his leadership and what leadership really is. And I tried to, to really touch on it in the episode that his leadership was all about putting his men first and being, you know, very much a servant leader, but also he was the boss. I mean, they even called him the boss. And it, that wasn't out of a fear that they would have, they would be disciplined if they didn't. It was out of a respect. So that is just, it's so uh, admirable to me that someone garners that much respect from his men. And even the fact that, you know, after the expedition, which, I mean, by by the book, it was a complete failure, like from start to finish. But everyone remembers it because they got out of there alive by themselves. And just the incredible journey that they had to, and the, the suffering that they had to put up with. And they did it, I mean, from all accounts in the books and in all the literature that was written about the expedition, they did it with a lot of joy. And they stayed together. I mean, there were there were moments of tension, but I think, again, Shackleton's leadership was able to, to overcome that. And the fact that a large group of those men volunteered for the next ex- expedition that Shackleton organized after the Endurance is just incredible. So, yeah, for me, uh, writing about Shackleton was a joy, obviously, and I had a lot of fun with the episode. I I learned more uh, in reading his book, South, uh, which I actually hadn't read before I wrote the episode. I'd read The uh, Endurance. I believe I got that for you as a gift a while back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, I mean, that, yeah, reading Endurance and reading South was... uh, a real joy for like me. I'm, I love that period of history, you know, 1900s all the way to World War II is just such an intense time in history. I think we, obviously the year we've been through has been rough, but what was going on in the world between 1900 and 1945 and even beyond that, uh, I don't, I don't think we have much to complain about to be honest. Well, that, I mean, then that's the thing, and you would probably agree with this, that, I mean, when you read about Shackleton and you read about everything that they went through, it's like you, you come away feeling like, I don't have the right to complain about anything yeah. ever again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I put it in the episode, one of the quotes from, it was in South and in Shackleton's kind of first-hand account of the expedition. One of his men actually said when they were running out of food, they were starving, they were on half rations. They were basically eating blubber and a little biscuit every day with, uh, you know, some some tea. That was what they had to eat. And the quote was, even though this is hard, we'll be better for it. Because when we get back to England or wherever they, they were from, we'll appreciate the good things even more. And even in that circumstance, he had them, their morale was still so set that they all still believe they were going to make it home. And that's just incredible to me, and I think that's completely due to Shackleton's leadership and his ability to his ability to be a good man-manager and put people in the right place and to keep morale high. Really exemplary, and I think if uh, any world leader has not read Endurance or South, they should. 
That's very true. Hey, we should put that in the episode. <laughs> so, um, who is John Gallagher? Who's John, this mysterious man? John Gallagher is a good friend of mine and yours, and you met yes. him through me, correct? I did, yeah. You yeah. guys have been friends for a long time. Yeah, he's he's a, a mountaineering buddy that I like to go mountaineering with. We, like, we do some crazy adventurous stuff together, and uh, he... <laughs> He's a, a big dude, and he very much, if you were to look at him, I could see him placed in Shackleton's crew very easily. Oh, so yes, yes. He was, he was the first person I thought of to really, you know, he could read, you know, the, the portions from Scythe that were in the episode, and I, I think he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I, I thought he was a great choice for it. Thanks for, thanks for doing that, John. Thank you, Brother John. You will be with us forever. Rest in peace, even though you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so episode five, the final episode of season one, was uh, George Washington Carver. That is correct. For the virtue of innovation. That is also correct. Why George Washington Carver and just talk about writing the episode? Well, Carver was interesting, too, because I can't remember at what point in the Virtuous Men Project... We were both doing this, but it was, I, I want to say it was kind of toward the beginning where I was racking my brain trying to think of men that we could do. This was before we had even really started the project. I was just trying to think of myself, think to myself, like, who could we do for this project? And I, at that time, I was, I had been thinking of Leonardo da Vinci for a curiosity. I recalled reading somewhere that George Washington Carver was considered by some to be a black Leonardo. And so that kind of got my wheels turning. I was like, ooh, let me look into this guy a little bit more. And the more I read about him, the more I realized that is not really a true statement. That doesn't really do his legacy justice. But but he was innovative. And I think it's another one of those virtues that you don't think of as being a virtue. Like when you think, I guess when you think of virtue, you don't think of something as obscure as innovation. Like you think of like Shackleton with leadership. Like, leadership is an obvious virtue. Everybody can acknowledge that as a virtue. But something like innovation, where a lot of that is kind of done behind closed doors, you don't really see it for yourself. It isn't as obvious. People aren't going to broadcast it as much. But Carver was very much an innovator. And the more I researched him and doing the interview with uh, Gary Kremer, I realized, like, wow, like, his innovations really were... It was really something that he was trying to do for the benefit of the common man and for his his own race as well. I mean, he he was very different from blacks of his time in the sense that he had good relationship with whites and he was surrounded by whites. So whenever he goes to the south, he didn't he didn't grow up in the south, but whenever he ended up in the south and he sees that it's dominated by by black farmers and this is all post slavery and seeing that they don't really know what they're doing with farming that they're overgrowing cotton and they don't really know how to work the land appropriately like he saw the need there so that that's one of the things that fueled his innovation so he saw these problems and he knew that they couldn't be solved just by doing what everybody else was doing like he had to come up with ingenious solutions very similar to Odysseus in that regard yeah he kind of he used his education and his experience to help his people right yeah and he and for him and this is what in the interview with with Gary he specifically highlighted that he felt like it was his duty he didn't do it because he felt like oh this is my job i'm doing this for work he felt a spiritual obligation to help his people 
and not just, I mean, primarily blacks, yes, but, but whites also benefit, benefited from his work. Yeah, he certainly was alive in a very rough time for uh, African Americans in, in this country. And he kind of shines as one of those people who didn't let that get in his way, right? Yes, and he had plenty of opportunities to do so, but he, it's like he he knew that he knew how gifted he was, and he knew how that his innovations could be helpful, and that's exactly what happened. And how was the interview with Gary Kramer? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, all all interviews thus far have been have been wonderful, and it was. Um, it was a real pleasure to learn because I guess it was a particularly good interview because we sadly were not together on this interview, but it was especially wonderful for me because um, George Washington Carver is primarily known for his work with peanuts and the fact that he created hundreds of products from peanuts. And for whatever reason, that stands as his most well-known achievement. And yet talking with Gary, he helped me realize that he did so much more He's very much a misunderstood figure, George Washington Carver, and then so to, and talking with Gary, who's been studying him for decades and written a few books about the man, he truly was not what we often picture when we think of George Washington Carver. Like, and which is also one of the great things about this project is stripping away the mythology and finding the real men under the veneer, you know. And that was really what the interview was—just hearing hearing him explain these things about Carver that aren't as well-known, and, and what his true legacy actually was. He was more than just the peanut guy. Well, that is all of season one. All yes. All five episodes. All five and glorious like, masterpieces of audio entertainment. Yeah, thank you for listening to us babble along for the last however many minutes we've been doing this. Yes, and, please, please come back. Uh, season two more. will be coming this year. Uh, we're preparing for it and working on it, getting interviews and picking, I think, five virtues and men that are going to further inspire. We're looking forward to it and hope you'll join us. Please do. Please do. We would love to hear from you as well. If you have any any men that you know about or would like to see featured or you have particular virtues that you'd like to see highlighted, feel free to message us and we will we will see you later. Yeah, and on that, thank you to everyone who has sent us uh, DMs on Instagram. Yes. We've got yes. quite a few. Uh, that A lot of recommendations, a lot of virtues, a lot of men that people have re recommended. So please keep those coming in. And if you haven't seen them yet, be patient. We do have a long list of men that we've already written about uh, to prepare to, to post. And we do so ahead of time. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. This has been Loose and Unscripted for Season 1. And we'll see you next time for Season 2. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>